Hey there, this is Dustin McLean. And Allie McLean. And we're pumped that you're joining with us today. And if you're a part of our Purpose Church family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at ourpurpose.church on all social media outlets. And on our website at www.ourpurpose.church. We can get you plugged into a group, other giving options, and an opportunity to connect with the Purpose family all across Western Kentucky. And we hope today's message encourages you and inspires you. And so let's jump into the message. Come on, let's give Jesus a bigger ovation of worship than that. Come on, church, let's give it up for King Jesus in this place. Yeah, if you feel comfortable, let's stretch our hands towards heaven and let's pray together. God, we just believe that this is a house of miracles. And God, is the miracle house because your spirit is in this place. And God, we welcome you in this place. God, we honor you. We lift up your name, King Jesus. We love you. We thank you so much for what we've gone through, what we're going through, what you're teaching us, what you're molding us, what you're shaping us. And God, we believe today because your spirit is in this place that chains are going to fall, that people are going to be encountering an experience and the presence of God in this place. And God, we just ask you to be with us. We ask that your word would speak to us. God, would you speak through the word of your your story you want to speak to today? And, And God, I just pray that there would be people that are in this room that God maybe are far from you, maybe have walked away from you, but God, that you would remind them of your love for them and how much you gave your life for them. And so God, we lift up your name today, Jesus. We love you. We thank you. And it's in the mighty, powerful, awesome name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody in this room said, I said, everybody in this room said, come on one more time. Let's give it up for King Jesus in this place. If you don't mind, if you would just stay standing for just a second, I'm going to read out of Mark chapter eight. This is what the Bible tells us in Mark chapter eight. It says about this time, Another large crowd had gathered, and the people ran out of food again. And Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel sorry for these people. Another version says, I have compassion for these people. They have been with here with me for three days, and they have nothing left to eat. And if I send them home hungry, they're going to faint along the way. For some of them have come a long distance. His disciples replied, watch this. How are we supposed to feed, uh, find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? And Jesus asked, how much bread do you have? They said, seven loaves, they replied. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves, thanked God for them, broke them into pieces, and he gave them to his disciples who distributed the bread to the crowd. And a few small fish were found too. That's a big deal. We'll talk about that in just a second. So Jesus also blessed these and told the disciples to distribute them. They ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There was about 4,000 people in the crowd that day. And Jesus sent them home after they had eaten. And immediately after this, he got into a boat with his disciples. He crossed over to the region of Demamamunana. Okay, we don't even know what that word is, all right? We're just going to read it like that together. Then you go to verse 14. I want to skip down to verse 14. We're going to read a few together. It says this, But the disciples had forgotten to bring any food. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat. And as they were crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, Watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. And at this time, they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. And Jesus knew what they were saying. So he said, why are you arguing? Why are you stressing 
about having no bread. Don't you know or understand even yet? Are, you, are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes, can't you see? You have ears, can't you hear it? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterwards? 12, they said. And when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick up? Seven, they said. And Jesus just asked him, don't you understand yet? is what he asked him. I want to talk to us today, and I believe that this is something that a lot of us go through a lot in our life, but the title of today's message, and I want you to tap your neighbor and tell them the title of today's message, is this idea. Get a little gangster with it, and you can say it like this. Say, remind yourself. Go ahead. Say, remind yourself. Remind yourself. Tap your other neighbor. Say, remind yourself. Remind yourself. I love that. I love that. Let me pray with us one more time. Jesus, we honor you. We lift you up, King Jesus. Thank you for your word. I pray you'd speak through it today. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, everybody said, one more time, let's give Jesus a big ovation of worship in this place together. And you can go ahead and have a seat. You can have a seat. You can have a seat. Well, hey, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so thankful that you're in this room today. And I, I, I don't know about you. Has anybody out there ever had to take some family photos? Anybody in the room ever been to the family photos to get some family pictures together? Come on, somebody, right? A lot has changed over the years when it came to family photos. I'll just tell you guys a little bit of my story whenever I was a kid. Like, I don't know if y'all were ever there, but did anybody ever, like, show up at the Super 8 Motel to get your family pictures made? Anybody out there? Just me. I'm going to tell you how deranged my childhood was together, all right? So this is what would happen. Like literally, uh, like our family would get together and we would have to go to the Super 8 motel. Mo I mean, just like, why? Why are we going to the Super 8? Why are we going there in order to get our pictures taken? And I remember going there and like you would go inside the Super 8 motel and like you'd walk in and like they would have like a couple rooms that would be empty. And that was where you would go in to get your family picture made. And I was at my grandmama's yesterday. And in 19, 96. Y'all remember the Dream Team? Everybody remember the Dream Team with Michael Jordan? Again, like I talked about last week, that literally he's the greatest basketball player of all time, right? We can agree with that. It's okay if you don't agree, but you'd be wrong, but that's okay, all right? But I remember in 1996, we literally had jerseys. I, I've got like 25 cousins, no lie. Like literally my grandma on my mom's side, we got all kinds of cousins. Like we have adopted cousins and all of us, literally like all 28 of us are in one of these uh, literally in one of the Super 8 motel rooms and we all got 1996 Dream Team jerseys on. Come on somebody, right? I should have took a picture of it yesterday while I was at her house because literally it's something that took place and it's really funny because your boy's got a crazy bowl cut on top of his head looking real strange, but that's okay. How many of y'all ever had any family photos out there wave at me up in this place? Come on, you've been there. I don't know about you, but photos, pictures have something uh, in them. There's something about a photo that like, has the ability to kind of slow down time a little bit, right? To capture a moment of time and to kind of jog your memory. And so every time I see these pictures, when I go to my grandparents or whatever, what it does for me and a lot of times what it will do for a lot of us is that it will recall those memories. It will recall those seasons, those feelings that we had when those pictures were actually taken. I brought a few that I'd love to show you. Just our family, 
along the way where, where again, I was just scrolling through my phone looking uh, back over some things. And man, there's just something about these pictures that just take you back, right? And I think about this first picture, if we could show that of Allie and I. Come on, somebody right there. That's young Allie and young Dustin, okay? Like that is no facial hair, Justin Bieber haircut. Uh, this is, I, and, and what this picture does for me, it takes me back in time, is the fact that this is right, this is the last picture that we ever took, Mama, that was you or Allie Thompson, right? This is the last picture that we ever took together as an engaged couple right before we were about uh, to get married. We had, we, we, for some reason, we got a dog, and her name was Lucy, but she's sweet, and she lives with her grandparents now, okay? We got kids, gave them to Grandmama and them, and they're out here in the, in the thing. Thank you so for taking care of Lucy. So there's a lot of memories that, that flood whenever I see this picture. I don't know about this next one. This next one is uh, of Conley. Look at that sweet little angel. Lord, that's before she talked back. That's before she had attitude. No, she had some attitude then. I know that to be true. This is, I think about this picture and I think about Conley and I would go to Burger King and this is when I knew she was my daughter because she loves ketchup. Come on, somebody. We don't put ketchup just in the little things. We put it in a lid. Come on, somebody, right? We got to have some ketchup, right? And I just remember talking with her. This is kind of one of the first times that we had a little daddy-daughter date. We tried to do that this last week at the Dairy Queen, but it was jam-packed. Come on, who wanted some Dairy Queen this week? Everybody did. But I, I just think about this picture. It takes me back there. I, I go back to literally sitting across from her and being intentional and opening her little door. And I just think all these emotions and these feelings come flooding back from a picture, right? The next picture, uh, sorry for the nudity in that of our son, okay? But uh, he's got his finger. I don't know if you can see that. He's got number one up in the air because this is his first birthday, and this is where he went smashing a cake, all right? And I remember Brex Anders, he, uh, like, look at that little dude, just just small. I remember the smell of, of literally, um, like, the candles being blown out. I remember the taste of that cake. That was a good cake, right? And there's just something about a picture that just takes you back in time, something about a photo that can do that very thing. And in this last picture, uh, or no, next to last picture, so I, I think about this one. This is Conley now. Just a few weeks ago, she had a gymnastics uh, meet, and... Uh, after that, we had promised her that she could get her ears pierced. And so I remember the shrills that were going on in the middle of Claire's at the mall because she was not sure she was going to be doing that, right? I don't know if I need to be doing this. I don't know if I really want to go through with all of that. Uh, obviously, she ended up doing it and doing a great job. But, man, there's just something about these pictures. I just, I remember the setting. I remember the scene. The last one is of our little family, right? These are of all four of our babies now. And uh, this is, like, if you could see, this is the front side of the camera. But how many of y'all know on the back side of that camera, there's a yahoo like your dad jumping around trying to get him to smile, just, like, doing whatever I can to be like, yo! You know, just all over the place just to get them to smile or even look at the camera, right? And I just remember remember the sweat, okay? We're get, like, I remember this picture. It's a great picture, but I remember the feeling of sweat dripping down my face from Conley holding her little girls and, uh, and then Brex trying to just get his attention and he's wanting to slap everybody and do all of that. I remember the emotions of that. And I just don't know about you, but pictures, if you take that, uh, thank you so much. It, but, but, but pictures do that for us, right? Photos seem to do something to us where they remind us of the feelings and the, and the things that we're going through and all of this kind of stuff. And I got to thinking about that and I got to thinking, you know what? This is kind of how our faith works. 
All right, it's kind of how faith works for us. Like, I think back in my life, and I, and I wish you would too, just for a second, think about the life of faith that you've had in your life. And I think about just these moments, these snapshots in time of faith where I saw God do something unbelievable. And I think about whenever I, I met Jesus, right? I was five years old, and I remember literally being in my parents' house and accepting Jesus with them. And there's this, this snapshot of time where I said, you know what? I want Jesus to come into my life, and I want him to change me. I got to remember some of those things. It just brings up a lot of emotion. I think about that night where I met Jesus. I had to call my grandmama and I had to eat a bowl of chicken noodle soup, right? It's what I had to do. But man, there's these feelings that come back. When I think back on my life of faith, I think about uh, whenever I was a 15-year-old kid and I would go to church camp and every single year we went to the same camp and we're in a room full of people kind of like this. And what we would do is we would end up uh, literally uh, the, the camp pastor who's become a good friend of mine now literally has said Everybody stand up on your feet. Y'all don't have to right now. But literally, he said, everybody stand up on your feet. Room full of 700 students. And I remember him saying, hey, if there's anybody in here that feels called to ministry, feels like they're called to give their life to serve the Lord uh, in vocational ministry, that they want to do that, I want you to stay standing, and I'm going to count to three, and everybody else is going to be seated. And I remember being a 15-year-old kid saying, God, if you can use anybody, would you use me? God, if there was any way that you could use me, I'll do anything. I'll clean the floors. I'll do whatever you want me to do, Lord, but I'm going to stay standing because I feel like God is calling me into that ministry. And I don't know about you, but there was a moment I'm gripping the back of the seat, right? And everybody sits down and there's a snapshot in my memory of just the faith uh, that God just welled up on the inside of my heart whenever I said yes to doing ministry and all of that. I remember taking those, like I was a youth pastor and this snapshot that would happen of taking those very kids that I had a chance to the same place that I had a chance to surrender my life into ministry in and I think about all of these things, and I don't know about you, but, but faith sort of works like a picture. It's sort of like a Polaroid moment, so, sort of like a snapshot in time. And this is what I know, is that my life gets better the more that I remember. Right? My life gets better, like remembering what it does for me is it leads to rejoicing. Right? Whenever I remember the faithfulness of God, I'm able to rejoice saying, man, look at what God did. Now I want you to think about that. I want you to think about your faith journey, where you are on that. And, and again, what happens is our faith suffers when we forget. Right? Our faith suffers when we forget. And we may not have like a Polaroid moment in the middle of what we're going through right now. We may not have that take place, but I'm trying to capture an image. I'm trying to capture a feeling that reminds me, that helps me remember, yo, remind myself that the faithfulness of God, that what I'm going through right now or what I'm walking through, that all of us can rejoice in the middle of because I know He's a faithful God. Is there anybody that's thankful for a faithful God in this place today? Come on. I love that. I love that. And here's what I know. I, I, I think about our story that we just read, right, about the feeding of the 4,000. How many of y'all heard of the feeding of the 5,000? Come on, wave at me. How many of y'all just real honest in church today? How many of y'all heard of the feeding of the 4,000? Don't be lying. All right, yeah, yeah, a lot of us haven't. I haven't. I didn't for a long time know about the story of the feeding of the 4,000, right? Like, I always knew, like, I want to file a complaint with the Sunday school ministry of, of Sharon Baptist Church back in the day, right? Like, if I'd have known that there was a feeding of the 4,000, your boy could have got some extra, like, graham crackers or some goldfish or some pull-top tab, like, little, little, little bungo juice or whatever they call those things, right? If I'd have known that there was a feeding of the 5,000 and a feeding of the 4,000, I could have got some extra points back in the day, right? 
But we see right here in this story, we see literally what takes place is that there is this, uh, there's a huge crowd that gathers again around Jesus and Jesus is teaching them. He's doing all of these things. And what I know is that a few months before that, there was a huge crowd, somewhere of about 5,000 people that they say is recorded men in the Bible. And then a few months later, he's doing the very same thing again. And we see that there's seven loaves this time. And as they're going out and passing all these things out, that Jesus told them to, that literally they find out that there's some more fish out there. There's some more fish that they could use to, that Jesus can bless and we can give away and all of this kind of stuff. And what I think about when I think about this story and the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000 is this. And I want you to write this down. If God did the miracle once, guess what? He's got the power to do it again. Right, somebody say, do it again. Somebody say, do it again like they want God to do it again. Somebody say, do it again. If God healed you once, guess what? He's got the power to do it again. You know what? If God opened a door once, he's got the power to do it again. If God forgave you once and gave you a second chance once, guess what? He's got the power to do it again. And I just came today just to remind some people in this place, don't let 2020, don't let a pandemic, don't let a doctor's appointment, don't let a prognosis, don't let an election make you question or regret the power of our God. Because we serve a powerful God, and if he can do it once, guess what, y'all? He can do it. Do it again. And guess what? He can make history by doing it again. And I'll just tell you, you have to remind ourselves. We have to go back and we have to say, you know what? God, listen, you have to remind. i got to see the things that you see. i got to have the, the things of God that literally I can have the faith and the strength to keep going where I'm going right now because I'm reminded of the faithfulness of our God. And that if he did it once, he's going to do it again. Is there anybody in this room that's thankful for that kind of God that we serve today? Let's give him some praise. Yeah, I love that. And I want us to look at this miracle of the multitudes, kind of the two things that happened between the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. I kind of want to just compare these, and I think they're important because I want us to know that these are, are, are showing up not only in Mark that we read today, but they show up in every single gospel. And the gospels are, are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are just four eyewitness accounts, literally, of the life and the miracles and the work of Jesus, right? So all of us, as we look out or as we're we're, we're seeing anything, we're seeing it from a different vantage point, right? And so we get that from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We get this different vantage points of the life of Jesus, of the ministry of Jesus, of who Jesus is and what he is and, and, and how he does it. And so we see that take place. And what I want us to know is that literally the feeding of the multitudes actually occurs. It's the only one that occurs in all four Gospels other than the resurrection. It's the, only four, it's the only miracle that occurs in all four Gospels other than the resurrection. You know what that tells me? Is that not only is God concerned about your soul, right? Because he is. Because I think all of us need to understand that Jesus Christ came and he died. And he lived a perfect life. And literally he gave up his life so I could have life. And he didn't just stay in the grave. He got out of the grave. He literally resurrected. That's good news. That's the reason why we celebrate. That's the reason why celebration is our response as a church. That's why we're going to party on Easter because we don't serve a dead Savior, we serve a risen Savior, right? So that's in every gospel, that's in every one of those, but I also want you to understand that the feeding of the multitudes is also there. So what that tells me is not only God concerned about your soul, he's also concerned about your circumstance. 
So he's not only concerned about your soul, he's concerned about what you're going through right here on earth right now. And I think there's so many things that we think a lot of times, man, God doesn't care about that. God could never care about that. But if it matters to you, trust me, it matters to God. If there's something that you're dealing with, if if literally God is working in you and doing that, if it matters to you, guess what? It matters to him. And I think there's a few things that we can see just to kind of compare the two, the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. Obviously, we did not read the feeding of the 5,000. We just read in Mark chapter uh, 8 about the feeding of the 4,000. But I want to kind of just put these two side by side and see what God's trying to teach us about making history. And again, if he did it once, he can do it again, right? If he did it once, he can do it again. So in both miracles, I want us to write a few things down. These are some things that we see happen in both of these miracles. Number one, there's a large crowd of people in both these things, right? Somebody say, that's a whole lot of people. Come on. Yeah, there's a lot of people. I think about it, and and the Bible tells us that there's 5,000 men that were counted. So that's kind of how they would count during this time. That doesn't include the women and the children. So scholars believe anywhere between 15 and 20,000 people are hanging out listening to Jesus. So you can imagine literally the size of city of Murray is hanging out listening to Jesus. Right? That's incredible to think about when we think about that, right? That's wild, 20,000 people. And if they were the McLeans, it's like 30,000. You know what I'm saying? Like just lots of kids, lots of family, all right? But there, there's 5,000 men plus the women and children. So we're looking at like 15 to 20,000 people. And scholars also say that the feeding of the 4,000, the same way that there's about 4,000 men, but that doesn't include the women and the children. And so you're looking anywhere between 12 to 15,000 people that are hanging out, listening to Jesus. And that's a big crowd, right? We got a vision for a big church, right? To reach a lot of people, that's a real big, that's a, that's a lot of people, all right? That's a lot of people. I, I don't know about you, but how many of y'all know that a lot of people, you know what that really leads to? A lot of needs, right? Right? A lot of people leads to a lot of needs. And this is what I know. All of us have needs. All of us have something that we are desiring or some way that we need something that's out there. And when we have, there's a lot of people in a group. Guess what? we got to recognize that there's a whole lot of needs out there. But this is what I know about Purpose Church. And this is what I know about you uh, as a follower of Jesus. If you follow Jesus, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you is that you and I have been called to people. You know what? We've been called to Jesus, but we've been called to people. You know what that tells me? Is that we've also been called to people's problems. That we're also called to people's needs. That we're also called to go and serve and do whatever we can to make sure that that need is being met. And I just think about this this one quote that I heard this one time from Howard Thurman. It said, the power of prayer is directly connected to your willingness to be a part of God's answer. Now think about that. When we see a large crowd of people, we just need to recognize that, guess what? There's a whole lot of needs that are out there. There's a whole lot of things going on. There are a whole lot of problems. But what's so good about that, and what I think about is we look over the landscape of Murray and Callaway County, there's a whole lot of people out there, y'all. But guess what? We have the answer. We have the solution. Not just Purpose Church, but Jesus' church. And guess what? You know how you get, you know, like people talk about all these things out there. I, I think about the the very, the very thing that you and I can do and the very thing that what could happen is literally uh, like people are asking, okay, how do, we, how do we change this or that and how do we do this in society? You know how we do that? We got to get people saved. You know what? That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the cusp of it is that we had to get people saved. Like literally, you don't want to know how, how we change the lives of drug addicts. You get drug addicts saved. 
Right? You introduce them to Jesus. You let Jesus change their life. You let Jesus change their heart. That's how we do some things. So I just want to challenge us. When we see a large crowd of people, just know that we have the solution. We have the answer, and his name is Jesus. And what I love about that is that we have the solution. I love what Jesus did in these stories is that compassion moved him, right? It was the love for these people. Not just that we are called to people. We're called to love people. And compassion was the reason for the miracle. Once you write that down. So not only was there a large crowd of people, but compassion was the very thing that pushed Jesus towards making a difference in the middle of all of that. See, in the the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus said, I see them as sheep without a shepherd. Feeding of the 4,000, we see in verse 2 and 3, he says, I feel sorry for these people. I have compassion for these people. They have been here with me for three days and they got nothing left to eat. And if I send them home hungry, they're going to faint along the way. For some of them have come a really long distance. I'm going to take a really long drink. Hey, really quick, can we welcome everybody that's watching in online today? Our team has set up some stuff. Come on, can we put our hands together and welcome everybody that's watching? I love that. I love that. This is what I know. This compassion was the very reason why, for the miracle. And I think about that. So, so not only was there a problem with lots of people there, but Jesus was moved with compassion to go and make a difference for that. And this is what I know is that compassion, you know what it does? It leads to action, right? Compassion leads to action. Like compassion is when, you know, care and action, they they team up and they go after the solution, right? And again, I want us to understand, I want us to know that we have the solution. We know the solution. His name is Jesus. And what compassion should do, should we should look around our workplaces and our families and we should recognize that, man, there's a lot of people that have a lot of needs that don't know Jesus and we have the answer and my heart would be for us is that God would move our heart with compassion so that we would begin to take action towards them, that we would begin to take steps towards those people, not away from them, not far back from them, but we would take a step in and say, you know what? God is calling me to make a difference right now wherever I'm supposed to be at. I think we need to see that. That compassion was the reason for the miracle. The next thing I think is that the disciples were asking the wrong questions. Both miracles, the disciples were asking the wrong questions. Feeding of the 5,000, we see that they were asking, hey, with what? Like, what kind of money are we supposed to come up with? Like, what are we supposed to do? Like, we don't have enough money to feed all these people. And in the feeding of the 4,000, we see, hey, how are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here? Or how are we supposed to find enough food for these people? How are we supposed to do all of that? And what I know and what I believe from both of those things is that the disciples were asking the wrong questions. And this is what I know for you and me is a lot of times we ask God the very same things. We ask the wrong questions. God, how in the world are you going to use me? God, how, how, when, when is that going to take place? God, when is that healing finally going to happen in my family? When is that, when is that salvation finally going to happen for that, that my son that's been far from God for a long time? When, when or how? How are you going to do this? How are we going to be able to do this, God? How have you called us to this? But there's no way that we can do that. And what happens is, is when we're asking the wrong questions, it leads to a whole lot of worry in our life. Right? And worry is the byproduct. It's kind of the, the side effect of asking the wrong things. But what did Jesus tell us in Matthew chapter 6? He said this, Matthew 6 verse 31 says, Don't worry about these things. Don't worry. Somebody say, don't worry, don't worry. about a thing. You know, all right, we're going to get a little, okay. Every little thing going to be all right. Okay, can we edit that out somehow? Like get that out of the camera. That would be great. 
So don't worry about these things, Jesus is saying. What will we eat or what we'll drink or, or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above everything else. Live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. I think a lot of times the worry that I have in my life is because I'm asking Jesus the wrong questions. I'm asking the wrong things. I'm not engaged with what he wants me to do. And I think we need to just go to what Jesus did in this story. And guess what Jesus did? He asked them, hey, you're asking the wrong things? How many loaves do you have? Right? How many loaves do you have? That means what they had to do was start to take some inventory of the very things that God had given them in their life, right? And a lot of us, a lot of times, I don't know about you, but I have it a lot of times where, guess what? I focus on the very things that I've lost. I focus on the very things that I don't have. But God is not asking us for the things that we've lost or we've misplaced. God is asking, hey, what is it that you do have? What is it that you have? And y'all, he asked for some bread in this, uh, in this scenario. Y'all, this is the McLean household. All we got of bread this week. Come on, somebody. Don't be making fun of my honey wheat, nature's own uh, bread. All right? Didn't have any fish in the cabinets. Didn't have no tuna fish or nothing like that I could bring for you. So I brought you what I had, right? It's what we had. We're going to have to take this home because we got to make some peanut butter and jellies this afternoon. Come on, somebody, right? Anybody love a peanut butter and jelly? Ooh, Lord Jesus, thank you. All right? I think about this bread right here, and I think about it. That's what Jesus was asking for. Hey, how many loaves of bread do you have? He's only asking for bread. But what happens in the miracle? What happens as he's feeding the 4,000? What do we see that takes place? It's actually in the process of looking for the loaves that they found out that they actually had some fish too. Right? It was in the process of taking inventory of the very things that God had given them that they found out, hey, really, we got something even more and something extra that's out there. And so I just want to challenge you and I, if you and I will stop complaining about what we don't have and start thanking God and reminding ourselves of what he has done and what he has given us, you and I will find out that we have more than enough for God to use. And is there anybody in this room that's saying, you know what, I've got what I've got, God, here it is for you. Is there anybody that's wanting to say that today? Let's give him a big ovation in this place. I believe that with all of my heart that guess what? As they were looking for something, as they were looking for all of these things, they ended up finding something even better that God had given them. Even more that God had given them. That leads me to the next thing. Is that what they had, it was too little when it was in their hands. What they had was too little when it was in their hands. In their hands, it wasn't enough. And I don't know about you where you walk in from, but I feel like there's a lot of us in this room that we feel that exact same way. On my own, God, there's nothing that you can do. I, I, I'm a mom and I'm struggling. There's no way that you can use me. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a husband and my family is falling apart. There's no way that you can use me. And this is all I've got. And it's, it, it can't be enough. There's no way it's enough. I'm a business owner. I'm a leader. I'm a college student. I'm all of these things. There's no way that you could use me. There's no way that this is enough to make a difference wherever I go. And this is what I want to challenge you and I. It will never be enough. It'll never be enough as long as it's in our hands. As long as it's in our hands. Because if it's in your hands, what happens is you and I are trying to control that. But what happens is when we take God and what he's given us and we put it into his hands, he blesses it. And I've talked about this before. He blesses it. He breaks it. But then what's he do? He gives it back to you. He blesses it, he breaks it, and gives it back to you. So the miracle of multiplication, this thing that happens in front of all these people, happened through interaction. 
It happened through people like literally going out there and doing the work of ministry. I think this has to be like the most inefficient miracle ever, right? You got thousands of people out here and you got 12 dudes, right? You got 12 dudes. And what happens is like couldn't Jesus, couldn't you done like like put a Chick-fil-A drive-through in? We can get 4,000 people through in about 15 minutes. Come on, somebody, right? Chick-fil-A and that Christian chicken can just do that. I don't even know what it is about it. But like, couldn't you have done that, Jesus? Like, that would have been probably a little bit better. How long is this going to take? Man, we got a lot of people we got to feed. We got a lot of work to do. How long is this going to take? Guess what? I think Jesus would just say, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter how long it's going to take. I'm going to do, I'm going to use you. I want to use what's in your hands. And I want to bless, break it. And I want you to watch as I can do more when you give me what's in your hands, when you give it to me, than you ever could on your own. And I think that's so important. Just imagine as they're passing out this food, as they're, they're having these interactions that are going on, you can imagine that they're like handing out some food. and Oh, we found some fish. Okay, cool. Oh, not that big of a piece, bro. You can't take that much. We got a lot of people to feed. You can't have that. Okay, here you go. Take some. Here you go. Take some. Take a little bit more. Take a little bit more. Take a little bit more. And what happens is the disciples, guess what? After they fed everybody that was there, guess what? They had some leftovers. How many people love some leftovers up in the room, right? In Everybody just love going to that refrigerator the day after you make like some chili or something just sitting in there, just settling a little bit, a little potato soup, got a little something extra on it the next day. You know what I'm saying? Just something about some leftovers that takes place. And what happens here in this story is there's leftovers that happens. Both stories, there's leftovers. There's 12 baskets in the feeding of the 5,000. There's seven baskets in the feeding of the 4,000. But here's my problem with the disciples, right? Here's my problem. Is that that literally what happened is Jesus did this miracle twice, right? He did it twice. Now, I can understand. I can understand the feeding of the 5,000 where their faith would be small. I can understand. I give them a pass for that, right? Be like, whoa, we've never seen this before. How's this going to work? How's that going to happen? How's God going to do it? How, Jesus, how are you going to do this? Like, I give them a pass for the feeding of the 5,000. And just a few months later, Jesus notices a need, and he says, I want to do it again. I want to do it again. You know what? As a disciple, if I'd seen Jesus do it before one time in person, you know what I should they should have been like? Woo, let's go. Where the bread at? I don't care how much. We got one loaf. We're about to bless all these people. We're about to feed everybody. It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. But what do we see happen? They're doubting God. They, they, they've forgotten about how incredible the God is that they serve and they walk around with. And I think so many times in our life, you and I are the exact same way. We walk around and we say, no, God could never do that. Well, guess what? If he's done it before, y'all, come on, he can do it again, right? If he's done it once before, if he did the miracle, he can do it again. And so, again, I don't know about y'all, but I'm a lot like the disciples, though. Right? I'm a lot like them. I can't make fun of them. I can't, I can't pick at them because I'm the same exact way. And Kyle, if you don't mind coming up, that would be awesome. I want to take this just a step further. And I think there's an even deeper reason for why Jesus would do this miracle. Why this would take place. That why he would make history by doing history again. I, I believe that there's something here that I want to challenge us with. And I want to challenge you and I with. Is that the feeding of the 5,000, just so you know, the place that that took place actually took place in Jewish territory. So, so what that means is that that, that took place where, where literally people like the disciples and like Jesus were around. Right? It was literally the Jewish people. You want to know where the feeding of the 4,000 took place? Gentile people. 
You know what that tells me? That tells me that this miracle is taking place with people that they're not used to being around and in places that they didn't really go. And what I think Jesus is telling them, and I think what he's telling you and I today, is that he was trying to show them this experience of of feeding the 5,000, but also the 4,000, was that he was coming to declare, hey, guess what? I am the bread of life. And you know what you can say? It may be for the Jewish people, but guess what? I love the Gentiles just the same. That I'm here to feed and satisfy and complete all people, not just one types of person. And again, Jesus says, hey, I feel sorry. I have compassion for these people but the disciples look at these people and say hey how are we supposed to feed those people here those people those kind of people those people out there how are we supposed to feed them and again my heart would be and my, my challenge for us would be don't we do the exact same thing don't we do the same thing we say you know what this is this you know hey, I want people that are going to act like this or do like that or whatever it is, and we say, you know what, yeah, we're going to let somebody else out there take care of going after the lost and going after the dying. But I've come today to tell you guys and just remind yourself, remind myself that we have the bread of life that satisfies more than anything that we could ever fulfill them with. It's Jesus is the very thing that can satisfy them. And there are so many hungry people that are out there, and everybody is searching, and Jesus is saying, you know what, there is a lot of people out there but I want to use you to give them the bread of life. I'm about to call you to go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth, and I've got to get you to see people the way that I see people, and that people are my heart, and that people of all races, all ages, of all backgrounds, that I love them, that I've come to satisfy them, that I've come to to literally fulfill the very thing that they've been searching for. That's the Jesus that we serve and you need to know as we're leading up to Easter there's so many people out there in Murray and Callaway County and wherever you might work that literally are searching for the answer that we have the answer to they're searching for a problem that they're looking they're saying man what is it I've tried all this other stuff I've tried everything and I can't figure out what it is but guess what, y'all? I hope that God would see, hey, you know what? He would challenge us on the inside and say, you know what? I know there's a lot of people out there. I would pray that God would give us compassion to say, you know what? People are a heart that we want to go out there and make a difference for Jesus. That guess what? We have the bread of life. We have the answer. And as we're interacting with people, it may be too little in our hands that we're not going to be able to save anybody. None of us could. But the fact is that we're going to do whatever it takes to extend a hand to reach people for the gospel to go out and make an impact wherever we might go I think it's time for us to say you know what as a church that's what we're going to be about and what I know and what I know is that sometimes it's in the breaking that you and I begin to see people differently think about that they didn't see these people until the breaking happened the way that God saw people and I think about it I shared this last week with you like like I'll just be really honest, the last year has been a, a, an anxious year, a depressing year. I, I'll just be real, real with you. It's going to go on the internet here in just a second. Your boy is on some anxiety medicine. Just want to tell everybody that real quick. And I, I, here, here, it has been a breaking season for me. And I'll be real honest with you really quickly. I never had context for people that had been through anxiety and depression, 
had I not gone through a season of breaking. And I think it's in those seasons that God literally works you and molds you and cuts some stuff off and works things out and does all of those things so that we can start to see people differently. So that we have the solution. We have the answer. And you know what I have to do so many times is when, as we talked about last week, the lies of the enemy comes up. You know what I have to do? i got to remind myself of the faithfulness of God. And I'll just tell you, there's some of you that Satan has thrown so many things at you, and you have to remind yourself that if God did it once, he can do it again. I have to remind myself that 26 years ago, I was in the middle of a hospital room, and they said, you know what, you've got leukemia, you got to be separated from your family, you're about to get some chemo treatment on Christmas Day. And I just remember my parents crying out to God, saying, you know what, would you heal our son? And if you heal our son, would you use him for an incredible purpose? And there's days that I want to give up on the very call that God has put on my life, on the very thing that he's called us, you and I, to do together. But I'll just tell you, I have to remind myself of that, that 26 years ago, that God had a purpose and a plan. And he was saying, you know what, if you will put what you have, it may be little, but if you will put it into my hands, I will use it, I will bless it, I will break it, I will multiply it. And I'll just tell you, there's some of you in this room, look at me. That there are some of you in this room that are praying and you're giving and you're doing everything that you know how to. And you may not see it in your lifetime, but I'm just going to tell you that you may not break through in this lifetime. That you may not see that, but there's somewhere along in your bloodline down the road that God is going to use the thing that you're praying through. That you're going to break a generational curse. And I just believe it with all of our, that I've got. That there are generations that are going to come after purpose, church, because of the faithfulness of some people to say, God, what we have is not enough, but I'm going to put it into your hands. And if you would bless it, if you could use it, God, will you multiply it? Will you go out there and let us be the hands and feet of you to where we go out and we serve this country, we serve this county, we serve this state with everything that we've got. And God, we want to bring all glory back to you. And the fact is that there's going to be some leftovers that happen. And guess what? We're going to point them back to you too because Jesus is our point. He's the very reason that we do what we do. And I just want to challenge some of us today. Maybe we need to remind yourself of the faithfulness of God. Some of us, we need to remind ourselves that He's forgiven us. and We're not who the enemy says we are, that we are a child of God. Some of us have said, man, there's no way could He save my family. There's no way could He break that addiction off of my family. But I just pray that you would remind yourself and you would just take those snapshots, those mental pictures and work all the way through the faithfulness of God over the course of yours and my lifetime and know that if he did it once, come on church, he can do it again. If he did it once, he can do it again. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes right now. If you're watching online, would you bow your heads? If it's safe for you, close your eyes. And I just want to challenge you guys really quick. I think there's a lot of us in this room that we've forgotten about the things that God has called us to, but we've also forgotten about the faithfulness of God, a lot like the disciples did. And I would be, I, I would be amiss to say, you know what, no, that, that is not me. It's not me. I don't, I've never done that, but oh man, we all have. And I'll just challenge you, there's some of us in this room that, man, you need to remind yourself of the grace you and I have received through Jesus and let me just tell you you're, you're in this room and, and let me just challenge you really quick maybe you're here and, 
and you know Jesus, I'm going to give you an invitation first. For some of you that today was one of those snapshot reminders of the faithfulness of God. As you begin to think back of all the times that, man, there was no way that that would happen. There's no way that God could do that. And yet every single time, He may not have done it in our time. He may not have done it in the way that we wanted Him to. But He showed up every time. Maybe there's some of you in this room and you need to just remind yourself of those things. Maybe right where you're sitting right now, remind yourself of the faithfulness of our God. Remind yourself of the faithfulness of Jesus. Maybe there's some of you in here that don't have a relationship with Jesus. I would just love to extend an offer to you. Not because of me, not because of anything that we can do as a church, but because of the work that Jesus has already done by giving his life for you and for me. And maybe you're out there and you say, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're watching online or listening to the podcast and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. The greatest decision you could ever make is saying yes to Jesus. And he's given you an invitation. He's given you and I an invitation and you just got to say yes to it. It just takes an exchanging of that. It just takes an exchanging of heart. Just an exchanging of saying, you know what, God? I want you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to come into my life. I want you to save me. Help me live for you every day of my life. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you got out of the grave. And I want to live for you every single day from this moment forward. Maybe that's you. And you're in this room. And you just said yes to a relationship with Jesus. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to do something pretty bold, but I believe you could do it. If you just said yes to Jesus on the inside of you, you got boldness already to stand up. And I'd love it if you would just make your way to this sidewall over here. If you just said yes to a relationship with Jesus, our team would love to meet you. We'd love to encourage you. We'd love to challenge you. We'd love to get, just celebrate with you. And I, we got some other people that are going to be moving right now. So just know that you're not the only one moving. So don't feel that way. Don't feel that pressure. We got our team getting ready for the second experience. So. If you just said yes to a relationship with Jesus, would you move to one of these walls? And maybe if you're watching online or listening on a podcast, would you just text the word PURPOSE to 270-229-6488. 270-229-6488. Just text the word PURPOSE. That lets us know that you made that decision to follow Jesus if you're watching online. Awesome. I love that. I love that. If you're still in this room, I'd love it if you just look up here at me. Come on, as we stand to our feet, can we thank God? Can we put our hands together and thank God for the people making decisions online and in this room right now? Is there anybody that wants to remember the faithfulness of our God? Come on, let's give Jesus a bigger ovation of worship than that. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I love that. I'll just tell you, high five somebody. Tell them, remind yourself. Remind yourself. I love it. I love it. Well, hey, I'm so glad you're here. And I'll just tell you right now, we're going to continue our, our service by giving through worship, worship through giving. And then we're going to have a chance to worship together in just a second. I think it's so important that, that as we declare over our life the things of God, the things that God has given us, that generosity becomes privilege for us, like a privilege, not just privilege, right? Generosity becomes a privilege. And you as a church are so generous. This is the first Sunday of the month. This is something that Allie and I do. And literally before the month starts, we kind of sit down and work a budget out for our family. And we give God the first tithe, like that's what it's called, the tithe is just the first 10% of our income and we believe that God can bless that and use that more than we ever could 100% ourselves, and I think about this story today of the disciples we may think a lot of times, and I've thought it many times before, God what I'm giving is not enough <laughs> there's no way you could use that 
There's no way you could, you could use that. But what, what happens is, is that when we put what we have into the hands of Jesus and what he's asked us to, and somebody else does, and somebody else does, and we all do that collectively together, watch out because some compassion is coming, some, some reaching out of hands is coming, some other uh, ways that we can serve our community is coming because all of us come together and say, Jesus, we want to give you what's in our hands. We trust you. So I just want to do this. I want to pray for us. And in just a second, we're going to worship. And Jacob dismiss us at the very end of the song. But as we say amen in just a second, we're going to praise Jesus for what he's going to do. That this is going to be a house of miracles. That this is going to be a house where we see people come to Jesus. Where we see chains fall off and families restored. That we're going to pray that we see that in the coming weeks and days of this church. All right, let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much. We honor you. We're so grateful that you gave your life for us. Jesus thank you for dying on the cross for us thank you that we get to come into a place and we get to declare that this is a house of miracles God we love you we honor you we sing to you we give to you and it's in the name of Jesus that we pray thank you so much again for listening to hear more messages like this one make sure to subscribe and consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends it helps out so much for more content and information head over to ourpurpose.church we love you guys and hope you have a great week on purpose